You're listening to Disconnect, the outdoor education podcast. I'm Joël Charrière, and on today's episode, we'll talk about how now, when most of North America is in some sort of self-quarantine or self-isolation, is the best time to ask your students, your kids, scouts, guides, or campers to think about, talk about, and reflect on nature. We'll explore how wonderful a tool a child's boredom can be, and if you're a teacher like me, trying to make learning opportunities continue through this all, and maybe you're having to teach online, we'll discuss how you can leverage that boredom to make amazing things happen in your newfound virtual classroom. Society is commonly too cheap. We meet at very short intervals, not having had time to acquire any new value for each other. We meet at meals three times a day and give each other a new taste of that old musty cheese that we are. We have had to agree on a certain set of rules called etiquette and politeness to make this frequent meeting tolerable and that we need not come to open war. We meet at the post office and at the sociable and about the fireside every night. We live thick and are in each other's way and stumble over one another. And I think that we thus lose some respect for one another. Henry David Thoreau in Walden or Life in the Woods. I read this passage from Walden earlier this year and I immediately loved it. First, I laughed at the imagery of being musty old cheese because we often are. Our staleness and fear of change can almost be imagined as this sort of aura of musty odor that warns others of our stagnant presence before we even let it be known by opening our mouths to repeat the same thing we said ten minutes ago. After the initial laugh, though, I kept reading and realized how in the absence of breathing room... We've stopped seeing each other as valuable, which I touched on in the previous kind of bonus content episode about COVID-19. It reminds me of sensory habituation, the same type that we experience daily, for example, when we put on a shirt or a watch. The first time you wear the watch, it feels weird, but then you get used to it. If I asked you right now how the shirt on your back feels, you wouldn't know how to answer because you don't think about the shirt on your back feeling like anything at all. That's called sensory habituation, and it works by reducing our response to constant stimuli. It's a great thing, because without it, well, you would feel everything, all the time, and you wouldn't be able to focus on things that you actually want to dedicate your brain power to. In that passage from Walden... I'm left asking myself, have we become habituated to each other? I would argue that we have, and that some time apart, as Thoreau so eloquently put it, will allow us to acquire new value to each other. I still take my dog on daily walks, and yes, we do practice social distancing. We avoid other dog walkers or people coming the opposite way, because right now, that's the right thing to do. Side note, please... If your city's rules uh, are, are, are in favor of a shelter in place or you have some sort of a lockdown order right now, please respect those. Um, that's not the case where I live right now, and so I'm still taking my dog out for walks. 
And on these walks, though, I am seeing posters in the windows with messages of love, hope, wishes for health. What I'm seeing are people reaching out from within their homes to others who are just passing by. These people have understood the value of their community. And perhaps they never stopped seeing the value in their community, but I think that across the board right now, people are beginning to respect and to want their neighbors around again. Of course, we all wish we could just be at a backyard barbecue, friends and family around, laughter ringing in your ears. Maybe there's even a pool there, and the splashing of water reminds you of a summer vacation. Meanwhile... You're shooting the breeze with a friend, drink in hand, engulfed in that smoky, sweet, slightly tangy smell of grilled meat and vegetables. Did you follow me there? Did your mind escape for even just a split second? Your mind is an amazingly powerful creator of imagery, so strong even that it can create memories of events that you never actually lived. So for everything I just said, this is the reason why now is the best time to ask your students to think about, talk about, and reflect on nature. In April, it'll have been 50 years since Joni Mitchell wrote Big Yellow Taxi, and her lyrics still ring so true. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Kids are in social isolation, and they are missing being outside. They've been indoor long enough that, you know, maybe the video games are actually starting to get monotonous. I know, it's hard to believe, but I remember one time playing a video game for so long that we skipped meals and I think we we must have played 12 hours straight. I felt so awful at the end of the day. I basically ruined video games for me for a long, long time. Or kind of like the time my dad told me that as a young man he smoked and He had a pack of flavored cigarillos, which he smoked too many of. It made him sick, and he simply couldn't look at cigarillos or cigarettes again. So basically, the videos are getting old. Springtime is here. Depending on where you live, either the snow is melting, or perhaps the trees are budding. Ask them to look outside. Ask kids, you know, if it's allowable in your jurisdiction to go play in their yard if their yard is safe. Ask them to collect sticks, stones, to look for those first springtime bugs and birds that are appearing. The earth is breathing. It has not stopped. And this is a great time for us to pay attention to her. One idea, and I'll post links in the notes for the video, is ask kids to track the air quality. There's a bunch of great websites with data about air quality that we can all look at right now. Turn it into a longitudinal study. Ask your kids to track it every day. Find your city on the map and find the data. How is it changing day to day? What's the trend over the weeks that we've been out of school? What's the trend over the weeks where people have not been commuting? How is Mother Earth reacting to all of this change? I think it's a great time to be asking that question.
I want to present to you the idea of useful boredom and to explore just how important boredom is to the creative process. If you want any proof of this, log into Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, any social media platform, and go see how many people are posting about you know, something along the lines of day eight in isolation or day whatever in quarantine. And look at how creative they're getting. I've seen guys chipping CDs into older computers. I've seen people DJing with all sorts of things like clothing irons and just doing things that they would have never thought of doing simply a week ago. Boredom isn't something that people generally like feeling, but our brain does amazing things in the absence of stimuli or things to process. As John Spencer put it in his 2018 article called The Gift of Boredom, boredom can be a surprising component to the creative process, even in the classroom, which was published in Educational Leadership. He says, it's not that people are unable to do deeply creative work, but that they don't experience the mental rest of mind-wandering boredom. I think it's so true that the mind needs to be allowed time to rest, and at the present moment, children are allowing their minds to rest. Now, in the same article, he gives us a few steps that teachers can use to help uh, in- introduce strategic boredom into their classroom. The first step being creating spaces of silence. Now, I don't think children are in shortage of spaces of silence when they're at home, especially if their parents are at home currently. Um, The second thing he says is change up the pace of instruction, and that's been given. We don't have a choice right now but to have slowed down our instruction. We are not capable of giving our children that same kind of direct uh, lessons every day that we would normally do in a classroom setting. So if you're like me teaching online, already your pace has slowed down. His third step is go for walks as a class. This may not be something that you can do right now. Um, The fourth thing is he says, design digital sabbaticals. And what he means here is asking students to go offline. And again, in the context of uh, staying inside and having our kids do things, uh, for example, with my grade nine science class, I gave them the challenge of creating something that was a demonstration of static electricity. So I, I gave them some information beforehand and they, they got to see a video of a bunch of, of examples of this, but they had to create one. And it's, it's when you kind of tap into those creative juices and, and ask the kids to do something physical. Get off, your, get off your digital device. Every one of your classes is online right now. But step away from that and go do something tangible, something physical. Perfect time to do it. His fifth recommendation is to allow the boredom to occur naturally within projects. I think this is an amazing thing. I I just had a great conversation with a colleague of mine who teaches art. And among this, one of the things that she was lamenting is that uh, administration is pressing for daily submission of kind of new projects or things to do. And she was saying that oftentimes art projects will last one, two, sometimes even four weeks because you need to allow the time for you know, trial and error, 
the time to do a first draft, a second draft, rip it up, start over again, and to really just let the creative flow. And it's going to kind of come and go, right? It's, it's going to happen on its own, but it needs to be natural. So in this beautiful time of creative and useful boredom, I think is the perfect time to ask your, your students to do something that's a little bit more kind of out of the box. Ask them to go find sticks and build something with them. Ask them to go, you know, if they're old enough, maybe they can try whittling something and creating a little log house, for example. I think it's the perfect time to ask kids to get creative. They're doing it already. Go look at their social media posts. They're doing it already. So now, funnel that creativity. Ask them to apply it to something that's going to include in some way, shape, or form a natural element and something that's going to reconnect them, reconnect them to nature. Thanks for listening to Disconnect, the Outdoor Education Podcast. If you liked this latest episode of the podcast, it would be a huge help to me if you would please subscribe and share it with your friends. Next episode, we'll be exploring how your passion for the outdoors affects your teaching, and I'll also be speaking with Dr. Ben Schellenberg, professor and researcher at the University of Manitoba, who's interested in seeing how people's passions can be either harmonious with their lives or disruptive and how this applies to your teaching. See you next time.